Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh, and I'm excited to be joined by Sooners beat writer Ryan Aber of the Oklahoma. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad. Just sitting out in my car uh, waiting for uh, player availability after practice tonight. So uh, glad to be able to join you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll let you get to that player availability here in a second. Uh, but before then, uh, let's start with probably the biggest storyline coming into this Red River matchup between Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, it's the quarterbacks on both sides of the ball. I'll, I want to focus on the Sooners for right now. Dylan Gabriel goes out in the first half last week. He took a hard hit. And then Davis Bevel comes in, goes to that 7 for 16 for just 50 yards. Uh, earlier today, Brent Venables, when he was talking to the media, said he wouldn't discuss any injuries or provide any updates so I'll ask you, have you heard anything about Dylan Gabriel's status and how do he and Jeff Levy navigate this situation if Dylan Gabriel isn't good to go? Yeah, uh, haven't heard anything else official uh, for, from OU as far as who's going to be the quarterback, but all indications would be that Dylan Gabriel wouldn't be able to go. To be able to uh, return from an injury like we saw, he was uh, pretty much knocked out. Uh, during that hit on Saturday, uh, a late hit that was ultimately called for targeting. Uh, it, it's just hard to see him coming back in, in just one week. Not that it hasn't been done before. We saw Baker Mayfield do it after he got uh, a, a similar hit a few years ago by TCU. He returned the next week uh, for the Bedlam game, but just hard to see uh, Dylan Gabriel coming back. And yeah, Davis Bevel you know, really struggled last week uh, when he was in there. It was a tough situation for him. They were already down big, got thrown in there. Uh, they didn't uh, ha have him pass the ball much, certainly didn't have him try to stretch the field. It'll be interesting to see if Davis Bevel is the guy on Saturday, though, how much different that offense looks. If it's more of what we saw with Dylan Gabriel, than what we saw with Bevel on, on Saturday, or if they try to do some different things to uh, you know try to to be more successful than they were on Saturday when Davis Bevel was just in a really uh, difficult position. And you talked about the if Davis Bevel starts on Saturday, and it felt like in Venables' press conference earlier today, it was really an if. You know, when you look at that quarterback room behind Dylan Gabriel, you've got the transfer, General Booty, and then the true freshman, Nick Evers. Uh, out of those three guys, do you think Davis Bevel is 100% sure fired the guy, or do you think they maybe open it up for competition? You know, I'm not going to say he's 100% the guy. Because, yes, Brent Venables sort of hedged a little bit and certainly Bevel's struggles didn't make it obvious. But you're talking about a, a walk-on junior college transfer who did play a couple snaps last week but just handed the ball off in those last two plays. And then you're talking about a freshman who had never taken a collegiate snap before in Nick Evers. If you ask me who the most talented of the three is, I'm probably going to say Nick Evers ultimately. But – the fact is, Nick Evers is uh, a co-number three on the depth chart with General Booty. He hasn't taken a snap, and I just can't imagine that you throw out a guy to take his first collegiate snap in OU Texas. So I, I've got to think that if Davis Bevel is, or if uh, Dylan Gabriel isn't able to go, that it's in all likelihood going to be Davis Bevel even if they do keep the competition open uh, during the week to try to see if somebody else emerges, 
That being said, they do like what they've seen out of Nick Evers. He gives them some uh, some uh, mobility back there that they don't have with the other guys. Uh, Davis Bevel is a, a big, tall pocket passer. Uh, not much mobility as we saw with the sacks that he took uh, a week ago. So it's not going to absolutely stun me if we see somebody else, but Davis Bevel, I think is going to be the guy if Gabriel can't go. All right. Thank you for that update. And we certainly hope that Dylan Gabriel uh, recovers fully from his concussion. Certainly not a good, never a good thing to see in college football. Uh, I want to go back again to the loss against TCU. Venables said his defense was quote, desire has been there but the discipline hasn't end quote that was kind of evident throughout the entire game Sooners lost it 55 to 24 as TCU just sort of poured it on them throughout the entire game from your perspective in what aspects has this defense been undisciplined I think you you look everywhere you look at the the penalties that they had last week in the secondary on uh, pass interference calls now I will say this a lot of those pass interference penalties were uh, good that they took because they were going to wind up being long touchdowns anyway if they didn't commit them, uh, but still shows a lack of discipline. And to me, the the linebackers especially is where you see that. They've just had some breakdowns that lead to a lot of long uh, plays, and we saw that by TCU. They had a lot of their touchdowns came on you know, 60, 70, uh, even 80-yard plays, and uh, it's they can play decently for, for stretches and be okay, but then they have one play where it just turns into disaster and uh, it leads to some of the massive numbers that they've seen offenses put up over the last couple of weeks. Their defensive line that was so uh, impactful in their 3-0 and start has been non-existent uh, when you talk about uh, affecting the game the last couple of weeks. So, uh, it, it's really across the board that discipline that's that's got to get fixed. But to me, it starts with that linebacker group with uh, Danny Stutzman, with David Aguebu, and with uh, Deshaun White. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Certainly, we'll keep it on the defensive side, but want to talk about the Texas defense a little bit. Venables really complimented them earlier today. It's a unit that's allowing 120 yards per game on the ground, just 3.28 yards per carry. Sooners ran for a combined 339 yards against the Longhorns last season, 217 of those coming from Kennedy Brooks. This year, it's Eric Gray and seemingly Javante Barnes uh, running the show now at running back. Could we expect a similar emphasis on the ground again this year, or is Jeff Levy really looking to air it out again? 
Yeah, I think certainly with what's going on with OU's quarterback situation, you've got to think that running the football is going to be a priority. Now, I know we'll get into injuries a little bit later, but there's some questions over uh, Oklahoma's offensive line, what that looks like on Saturday, how that could affect it. But to me, Eric Gray is the guy that's sort of key to this whole thing because of not only his ability to run the ball, but also to be a, 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 a factor in the passing game. He's, uh, he's been an effective uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. They need that versatility back there. They don't have a workhorse like they had last year in Kennedy Brooks, but what they found is they've got Eric Gray, a guy who can uh, do a little bit of everything and do it effectively. It's going to be interesting to see how Javante Barnes comes along, not only in this game, but really the rest of the season. Marcus Major had been the number two guy he missed last week. Uh, due to injury, Barnes took advantage with his first career 100-yard game. Now, a lot of that came when the game had been decided, but they really like what they've seen out of him. He's more of the Kennedy Brooks every down back kind of mold than Eric Gray. But in my mind, Eric Gray has been one of their top two offensive players uh, to this point in the season. And uh, if OU is to pull off uh, this victory, which would be a, an upset at this point, I think Eric Gray's got to be in the center of it for OU's offense. And you're mentioning some of the best offensive players that Oklahoma has. You said Gray's one of the two. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that second one is Marvin Mims out at wide receiver. Uh, we touched a little bit on the passing game, uh, and regardless of who starts at quarterback, no doubt that he's going to be their optimal receiving target. He was certainly the X factor in last year's Red River game, 136 yards with two touchdowns, just five receptions. If Oklahoma wants to win this game, you'll have to think they want to get him involved. When you look at this Texas secondary and just the defense in general, what sort of matchups do you really like Mims in and how can he find his way into getting uh, some patches downfield like he did last year? Yeah, I think the good thing uh, for OU with what they've done with Marvin Mims is they've been able to use him inside and outside, generally been on the inside the last couple of years after playing his freshman year on the outside. But um, they can uh, utilize him in ways to take advantage of certain matchups. I think certainly, and I might uh, get the pronunciation of this guy's name wrong, is it Jameer Johnson uh, is, is one guy that you would imagine that the Sooners will uh, go after uh, in this one. But uh, I think they're going to spread the ball around. They're going to try to get not only Marvin Mims involved, but uh, Theo Weiss, if he's healthy. Again, I know we'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, Jaleel Farouk has been uh, a bigger and bigger part of OU's game plan the last couple of weeks. But with those guys, with some of that depth that they've cultivated there that hasn't fully shown this season, uh, if it's working, that they can uh, spread the ball around, find positions where to get the ball to Marvin Mims down the field. Because we saw last year what he can do even when he doesn't have much space to work. Now, he doesn't have a quarterback like uh, Caleb Williams was last year to get him the ball in those situations. So it's going to be a little bit dicier. But um, certainly Marvin Mims has to be a central figure along with Eric Gray with this offense to get involved. I, I do have to say, I'd probably say there's three. It's hard to leave Braden Willis out of this equation. Their tight end who has four touchdown catches already just had six in his first four years with the Sooners. He's become a bigger and bigger factor. And I think will be a big factor in this game with the, uh, the lack of the downfield passing capability. But uh, Marvin Mims, I think, is going to have to play a major role for the Sooners if they're uh, to find a way to win. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the tight end room. Texas certainly leaning on their tight end, Jatavion Sanders, a little bit more. So both teams kind of looking at the same page there on tight end offensively. Uh, let's go back to the Oklahoma defense. We touched on them earlier, how they've struggled in the past couple of games to open up Big 12 play. Coming into this week, which position group are you expecting to make the biggest impact on the game and why? I think it's got to be the defensive ends for me because – uh, those guys were so impactful those first three games as OU's defense looked like a different unit than they were last year under Alex Grinch. The last two games, those guys, especially Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs, the starters, have been a virtual non-factor. And a big part of that has been defenses scheming to take them out of things. But they've got to find a way to still make an impact. Uh, to, OU's linebackers have struggled. I don't think that's going to change. They've sort of proven that they don't feel like there's anybody else behind those guys that they can trust to throw out there. So they've just got to ride with those three starters that they have and uh, cross their fingers and hope for the best. But when Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs are on, they can make a big impact on, on this game. And I think especially with – a guy like Bijan Robinson on the other side, especially with the importance of getting to the quarterback with uh, what Texas has in the, the wide receiver core. I think that it's going to be critical for them to really make life difficult on whether it's Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers uh, to, to get rid of the ball and to uh, contain the, the running game uh, on, on the edge. So I, I think Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs at the defensive end spot, maybe Marcus Stripling if he's able to return after missing last week. Uh, but uh, certainly the defensive ends are the position group that I'm circling for the Sooners defense this week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And that leads perfectly into my next question, talking about the Texas quarterbacks. That's certainly going to be their biggest predicament coming into this game, similar to Oklahoma. We don't know if we're going to see Quinn Ewers or Hudson Cardigan. Steve Sarkeesian said, it's the healthiest they've been in that room all season. That might be hinting at a Quinn Ewers return, but it very well also could mean that we see Hudson Card again this week. Regardless, Brent Venables said earlier today that, quote, whether it's Card or Ewers, I don't see something dramatically different in what they'll do, end quote. Do you see eye to eye with him there, or do you think the Sooners might maybe prefer or hope that one guy starts over the other? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that. I think they're certainly different players and bring different skill sets. Uh, you know, we, we went back and forth. I actually talked to uh, a couple of my coworkers earlier and we went back and forth over who the Sooners should, uh, hope starts this game for the Sooners or for the Longhorns. Is it Hudson card who obviously lost out the quarterback battle before the season, but has a little bit more mobility than Quinn Ewers. Uh, we've seen what, uh, mobile quarterbacks can do to the Sooners defense, uh, in Adrian Martinez in Max Dugan. Now I don't think card is. Uh, as good uh, when you talk about running the football as either of those guys, but certainly has a little bit of that in him. Or is it Quinn Ewers who won the job, and uh, but is more of a, a traditional uh, pocket passer? In my mind, they probably want to see Hudson Card because 
uh, you know, as as much as that mobility presents an issue, he isn't as mobile as those other guys, and uh, is not as good a thrower as yours. So I, I think certainly that the Longhorns are in much better position quarterback-wise than the Sooners are right now with a, uh, a, a banged-up Dylan Gabriel and what they've got behind him. It's a, a much better problem on the Texas side to have two guys that have uh, shown that they can be pretty effective, especially with what Hudson Card has done uh, the last couple weeks uh, since coming in for uh, Ewers after that Alabama game. And the quarterback position is one thing, but I think the most notable takeaway for Texas last season in Red River came from their offensive skill players like Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. Bijan went for 137 and a touchdown on 20 carries. Worthy adds 261 through the air and two touchdowns on nine receptions. With that in mind, how does the Oklahoma defense go about trying to limit the Longhorns' two best players from having a big game against them like they did last year? Yeah, I think both of those things lean heavily on the defensive line because we've talked about the linebackers, how many issues they've had. The secondary is banged up, and they've shown some promise when they've been healthy, but uh, certainly struggled last week. But in my mind, you've got to roll the dice with getting after the quarterback, with uh, limiting Robinson to, to short carries, and that starts with the defensive line, whether that's those defensive ends that we talked about or uh, uh, defensive tackle Jalen Redman, who has been probably their most effective, consistent defender. Um, they're going to have to do a good job of uh, forcing whoever Texas quarterback is to get rid of the ball quickly and limiting uh, Bijan Robinson, especially on the edge. And uh, you know, OU struggled with that. Uh, to this point, so this is a lot of if, 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 but uh, if they're going to have a, a chance at winning this game, uh, they've got to be able to do that because we've seen what both of those guys can do against the Sooners uh, in their career and certainly what both those guys have done uh, to this point this season. And we've kind of been building up to this question throughout the <laughs> entire video, so now we'll, we'll let you answer it. Uh, let's take a look at the Sooners' health. We know about the injury to Dylan Gabriel. Touch on all the any any other major injuries that could potentially have a big impact on this game. Well, I'm not sure if we have enough time to touch on all the guys. I have never seen a game like last week where you lose as many guys as the Sooners did, and, and as many key guys. They lost. Uh, Billy Bowman, their safety and kick returner uh, in, in the first uh, five or six plays of that game on a kick return. Uh, he wasn't able to return. We'll see if he's able to go. Uh, wasn't wearing his helmet for, for most of the game. Not exactly sure what the injury is with him. But uh, then they lost Damon Harmon late in the game, who uh, was forced into action because of Bowman's injury. A uh, really scary deal for him. I can't imagine that he's going to be back anytime soon, but he did post on Instagram that he was okay, which is really good. They had a, uh, about a 20-minute delay in that game as they got him on a backboard, got his face mask off, just a, a really scary situation. you know. But one of the biggest key injuries that the Sooners suffered outside of Gabriel is Juanier Morris at, uh, at uh, right tackle. With Dylan Gabriel being a lefty, right tackle is a, a, a major spot for them. Uh, he, Morris, had been pretty good over these last couple games since he had returned uh, after missing the first couple uh, due to off-the-field issues. Uh, he had seemingly stabilized that offensive line, 
but I doubt he's going to be able to play. He was in a sling at the end of that game on his, I believe it was his left arm and uh, a really big loss for the Sooners. We'll see how much he, how long he's out, but without him, they've got to go to Tyler Guyton, the uh, uh, TCU transfer who has been solid and been improving, but he's not Wanya Morris. Uh, Wanya Morris came in with a lot of uh, hype transferring from Tennessee. Didn't live up to that last year, but so far had looked the part. They lost him. Had a couple of other offensive linemen get banged up a little bit. Anton Harrison, McCabe Matower. Those guys both came into the game, back into the game. Eric Gray, uh, his knee uh, seemingly got banged up a little bit, but it looks like he was likely going to be able to go back in had it been a, a closer situation. So really injuries all over the place. And then you look at the guys who didn't even play in that game. Defensive ends, Marcus Stripling, R. Mason Thomas, the freshman who had been so good for them uh, early in the season. He hasn't played in the last three games. Uh, and then running back Marcus Major, who was number two uh, to uh, Eric Gray and was more of a power guy, had started to finally live up to his potential. He missed last week with an injury. It's sort of been uh, the story of his career, not being able to stay on the field. Now, I think they feel good about Javante Barnes in particular behind him, but there's uh, injuries all over the place for the Sooners. And then you've also got Theo Weiss, uh, the receiver. Can't forget about him. Uh, a former five-star guy who uh, got banged up last week. We'll see if he's able to go. So injuries all over the place for the Sooners. But uh, even with all of that, they, Struggled last week against TCU, uh, just without that uh, factored in. And, but this week is going to be a really uphill battle for them if they're missing many of those guys for sure. Yeah, certainly it's always an uphill battle when the injury report page is full to the brim. Uh, so last question for you, Ryan. It's the first time these teams faced off in the Red River rivalry unranked since 1998. There's highs and lows already on both sides of the ball for both teams just five games in. With all of that in mind, considering how last week went for the Sooners against TCU, what's it going to take for Oklahoma to get over a potential mental hump through these past two games coming off back-to-back -back losses and find a way to win in what could be a completely season momentum-changing game like it was last year for Texas and Oklahoma? Yeah, I, I think it's going to take them remembering who they are. And obviously the momentum that they built in this series, I think there's something to that, that it can carry over uh, year to year. Although certainly this is a, a different situation for the Sooners with the complete overhaul of the coaching staff, a lot of new players on uh, both sides of the ball, but their confidence came together the last two years in this game with the uh, comeback last year after being down 28 to seven in the first quarter with the great start that Casey Thompson and the Longhorns had, the, uh, the, the victory, the four-overtime victory in 2020 when the Sooners came into this game at a very similar position, having dropped their first two Big 12 games. But they've got to remember who they are and get back to that. And it's, it's not simple because their, their defense has really struggled and their offense has been uh, shaky at times. I think their offense is clearly better than it was last week. Uh, they've in general been good enough. They were good enough in the K-State game to get a victory. That defense just uh, really uh, failed them. But And then the other thing is they've got to get good quarterback play out of whoever it is, whether it's Dylan Gabriel, whether it's uh, Davis Bevel or somebody else. 
they've got to be able to uh, avoid turnovers firstly and second of all to be on target make good decisions if they are to to pull off this game because Texas is yes they've got uh, similar records but Texas is a team that's uh, what four points away from being undefeated right now took Alabama down to the wire the the records are the same but clearly the way they've gotten there have been very different and uh, the Sooners need to turn the tide uh, in this one or they're going to keep going the same direction that they've been going over the last couple of games. 118th meeting between these two teams coming up on Saturday at 11 a.m. from the Cotton Bowl. I'm super excited to make my first ever trip up there. A uh, huge thank you to Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman for joining us, and I really appreciate your time and insight. Thank you so much once again. That's going to wrap things up here for this episode of On Texas Football with Inside Texas. Thank you so much for watching us, and make sure to come back tomorrow. I'll be joined by Ian Boyd for our weekly game preview episode. Also, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel for more content throughout the week. For our producer, Matthew Hutchison, and all the great folks at Inside Texas, my name is Tommy Yarsh signing off. See you next time. Have a great day.